Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hello and welcome to Talent Talks with Robert Walters. I'm Andy McLean, a journalist and podcaster based in Sydney, Australia. In this episode, we're talking talent with Tom Mackay, who's the co-founder and managing director of Livewire. Now, if that name rings a bell for you, it's probably because Livewire was recently named in the AFR's Fast 100, which recognises Australia's fastest growing companies. Indeed, Livewire has come a long way in a relatively short space of time. In less than a decade, Tom and his Livewire colleagues have helped a rapidly growing audience of now more than 250,000 investors make more successful investment decisions by giving them access to curated, high-quality research and analysis that's developed with Australia's leading fund managers and wealth professionals. In today's episode, Tom and I cover a range of topics, including the rapid rise of Livewire and what it's taught Tom about hiring and retaining the best talent, also, how Tom approaches talent selection and, in particular, how he identifies candidates with the potential to grow alongside his business. And we talk about how to develop a resilient workforce that can thrive during change, even when the unexpected happens. Here's our conversation. Tom, uh, welcome to Talent Talks. Thanks a lot, Andy. It's great to be here. Now, for listeners who haven't used Livewire before... Tell us a bit about it. Well, I guess these are all the people that are about to start using Livewire, right? Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you describe the organisation? Yeah, so my business partner, James Malley, and I started Livewire back in 2013, and we really created the website to solve our own problems. At the time, we were spending lots of time hunting for new investment ideas, and we were finding it very hard to trawl through the, uh, all the free information that was out there. Uh, it was difficult to know who to trust. And, and we found that uh, a lot of the best information was inaccessible or was locked up behind paywalls. So we really created Livewire as a solution to, to our own problems. And how I would describe it is that it's a, it's a website where all investors can gain access to the investment ideas of more than 500 of Australia's most respected fund managers and wealth managers. Um, they can sign up for free. They tell us a few things about themselves and then we serve them up a feed of really high quality content that includes a mix of articles, podcasts and videos um, from this wide range of, of highly trusted experts. Well, that's a pretty impressive uh, business proposition. No wonder it's been so successful. And I hear you've just made the AFR's Fast 100 listing. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um, great to be included on that list. Uh, we obviously um, have... A lot of respect for the Australian Financial Review uh, and I think it's great recognition for our amazing team who are just so committed to this mission we have of helping investors. Um, the achievement is really 100% down to, to all of their hard work. Yeah and I'm glad you mentioned uh, your workforce there because I'm quite interested in obviously as a fast-growing startup you probably don't have a lot of the formal HR structures and processes that we might find in a large multinational for example. So just wondered, how would you describe your approach to managing that high-performing workforce that you've got? Well, Andy, let me kick off by saying um, that I, you know, I'll give you a little disclaimer. 
I'm not a talent professional. I've never officially worked in HR or recruitment. Um, I think I've just learned from making lots of mistakes as I go. But really our approach to management is in the beginning to provide very clear guidance on on the company strategy, our most important metrics, um, and then really to give our team the power to decide how to hit those metrics. I think it was uh, George Patton who, who once said, don't tell people how to do things, um, tell them what to do and let them surprise you. And I, and I really subscribe to that philosophy. Um, a lot of the time I find the actual, a lot, a lot of the time I find the approach of our team does surprise me and often to the upside, and that, that gives me a great thrill as a manager watching, watching them succeed. Um, I think giving people the autonomy to make decisions um, can really give them the opportunity to bring all the skills that they have to the table. And I also think it forces them to think um, and to grow and to evolve um, by getting feedback and seeing some of their ideas come to life. And I think there's also something immensely satisfying about deciding how you want to do something, giving it a crack and seeing the result. And then we get together as a, as a leadership team. We keep track of how everything goes and we want to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. And obviously when things go well, we let everyone know. I think it's really important to be appreciative uh, when good work is done. And when things go, go poorly, we try to figure out why and then we learn. I mean, you know, the reality is that none of us are perfect. Mistakes are going to happen. It's really about how you actually respond to those mistakes that counts. And by doing this, we're able to see who's in the right role and who needs more training because I think everyone's on their own journey. Now, that word journey is interesting because um, if I think about any profound journey, it usually changes you in some way and, and, and mm -hmm. you'll experience new things and, and learn new skills along the way. And you just talked about people kind of growing with the business. Uh, so I just wondered when you're in the selection process, you're hiring for a new role or, or maybe a number of roles during that process. How do you go about identifying the potential for personal growth within the candidates? Thanks, Andy. Well, it's a good question. And, and hiring is, is something that I've become extremely passionate about. Um, we strongly believe in hiring for job fit rather than hiring for, say, IQ or personality alone. And I think too many people these days, um, you know, will get hired because the interviewer or interviewing team really likes the person or they think they, think they have the intellect to succeed. And in my mind, it's really all about finding people who fit with the competencies of the role and, and also the values of the company. So if you want to find people that fit, then first I think you've got to define the role um, and what skills and competencies are required. This is key. I think it's always key to, to think and then do. Um, and then second, create an interview and, and, and assessment process that, enables you to quantitatively measure how well suited someone is for, for, for the role. So what we try to do during the process is build up a really detailed picture of each person um, during the process that enables us to understand what their strengths are. Um, and then we see how well matched they are for, for what's required in the job, job that they're applying for. In, in your question, you asked me about candidates who've got the ability to grow. Um, you know, when it comes to growth, I, I, I believe the number one predictor of job performance is problem-solving ability. 
So we always make sure that's a key part of the uh, evaluation process. And the other thing I like to see is some sort of evidence that, that the person is curious and a continuous learner. You know, maybe they've had a side project, maybe they've built a website or they've done their own startup. I, I think this shows they're willing to step outside their comfort zone, which in my opinion is where growth really starts. Yeah, that's interesting. And and a little bit later on in our conversation, I'd like to slightly kind of come back to that because I'd like to talk a little bit about resilience uh, in mm-hmm. the workforce. Uh, but first, let's just think about um, you guys in a competitive landscape in the jobs market, because Australia has had this kind of extraordinary challenge over the last couple of years where there's no importing of talent going on. So all the employers, primarily, certainly, most employers have had to hire from the local talent pool, which is finite. And we've got skill shortages in a number of areas, technology, and and there's a whole whole suite of different sort of specialist roles in the technology space where um, employers are fighting over a very small, a relatively small talent pool. Now, you're competing in that talent pool, not just against your peers, other um, sort of small, medium enterprises and startups, but also the big end of town too. That talent could choose to go anywhere, really. So large corporates will offer all kinds of enticements. They'll look at you know gym memberships and company cars and all kinds of stuff. So in a jobs market where skill shortages are common and talent can be scarce, how does Livewire compete with that? And it's a great question, and I'm not going to lie, it's really hard at the moment. Um, I, I reckon right now is the most challenging environment for hiring that I've ever been, um, or that I've ever encountered. We're in a niche, um, and so a lot of our hiring is done directly. We actually spend a lot of time um, trying to identify people who are passionate about investing, and then we go ahead and approach them directly. Um, or frequently people who are passionate about what we're doing um, or interested in what we're doing um, come and approach me directly. And I love it when they do that. Um, and we actually have a number of members on the team at the moment, um, you know, who've just come in through basically um, going old school and just sending me their CV and saying, hey, can we have a chat? Um, when we meet with people for the first time, I think one of the keys is to really understand them and understand what they're looking for. Um, we will always tell them about the mission that we're on, uh, what we've achieved so far, and tell them about our plans for the future. And some people get really excited by that. Um, I think big company people or some big company people, um, you know, can often like the safety of being part of a big organisation um, and the perks that come with that. And so sometimes that's just not the right fit for us, but but some people are looking for more. And I really like to think that we provide people with the opportunity to take a big leap up in their careers by being part of a group and by building, um, by being part of a group that's that's building something from scratch, you know, rather than joining a company that's already large and successful. Um, a wise man once said to me that it's much easier to keep something going than it is to build something that hasn't been done before so we do tend to attract those those people that are looking for a real challenge and and for people who want to see the output um, of their efforts uh andy we don't offer gym memberships we don't offer company cars or anything like that um but i but i think what we do offer is a really high trust um you know results oriented workplace that, that challenges people we offer the flexibility that people need um, to have a proper work-life harmony 
uh, rather than just work-life balance. And we mix that with a supportive culture uh, where you really know that your teammates have got your back. And one of our core values is togetherness, um, you know, which, which is something we all feel very strongly about. But genuinely, um, if I think about perks I'm, and culture, I'm really of the belief that nothing builds culture like success. And we do everything we possibly can to succeed and grow as a group. It's interesting. Some of the things you've talked about, there seems to be a bit of a theme running through the sorts of people and talent that you're looking for. And Mm -hmm. the word to me that springs to mind for me is initiative. You've talked about people who are self-starters, people who might have had side projects on the go. You've talked about people wanting to have the uh, the appetite to to grow personally and to to kind of, you know, build new things and create something. So you're really looking for people who've got a bit of um, a bit of get up and go a bit of initiative a bit of problem solving uh appetite right yeah absolutely um yeah i think we're looking for people who have that combination of passion for you know the subject matter and passion for their work and and people who can prove that they can get stuff done you know and they've got some sort of track record of being able to to do things themselves and show that initiative. And everyone, you know, on our, on our team has, has those elements. And I think that they're really important as is, um, you know, to be, to be ultra resilient. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'd like to ask you about now, actually. So, you know, I've worked in fast growing businesses and it's not always for the faint of heart. Sometimes you're having to take calculated risks, dealing with the unexpected. Uh, so it's exciting, but it's not always easy. So, Um, Mm. that's really where people have to draw on their resilience. Now, of course, some resilience has to be, if you like, inherent. People need to have some inherent resilience within themselves, and that can only come from themselves. But as a leader, how do you nurture and build resilience among your people collectively and individually? I think resilience comes from the understanding that things are going to go wrong, and that's okay. And it's really how we deal with the setbacks that matter, that matters. Um, I used to say to our team that every business um, has a near-death experience and, uh, and we haven't had, had ours yet, so you better be ready for it when it comes. And then COVID came along and suddenly we had our near-death experience. Um, the COVID recession stopped the entire advertising industry in its tracks and you might not be aware, but a decent proportion of our revenues comes from advertising. And, you know, I remember that time and it was the scariest, scariest time in my career. And I remember thinking we might not make it through this. Um, and there were some dark days and, and darker nights kind of pondering how we were going to get through it. But in the end, all you can do is really suck it up and cut as many costs as you can, preferably without letting anyone go. And you never want to let anyone go if you don't have to. And that was the most important thing to us at the time, save the business, um, you know, protect our people at the same time. And I think at that time, our team really appreciated that and they worked so hard to get their business out of the ditch and and starting to really hum again. Um, And so what we had were all these displays of, you know, amazing resilience from our team that we were able to call out. And if you want people to be resilient, then I think that you need to 
highlight great acts of resilience and celebrate it when people show it. Um, but most importantly, you need to be resilient yourself. Mm, it's interesting because you talked earlier on about, you know, being able to deal with setbacks and how you, you grow and, and, and develop in those times. So the potential existential threat that I think lots of organisations, large and small, suddenly had to start asking some really existential questions when COVID first swept in. What do you think you learned about yourself and your own personal resilience? I think I learned that, you know, when something like this comes through, that you need to set aside some time to calm down and to think through things. I think you need to, um, you know, get a range of advice from people who've seen this sort of experience before. And I think that was that was something that we did is we spoke to a number of our advisors, you know, particularly ones that had a few, you know, a couple more decades than, than, than we did and put together a bit of a playbook on, you know, how are we going to do this and what are we going to do um, exactly? And then you need to come forward and be strong and clearly communicate that to the team because, you know, if you're not in control, then how do you expect your team to be in, to be in control? And so that's what we did. We went and, you know, we put the plan together. Uh, we communicated clearly. That empowered the team to get on with it and to, and to kind of fix the things that needed fixing or to change the things that needed that needed changing, um, you know, so that we could get through it all. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I think it was a time of, of wonderful growth for us as an organisation because we managed to cut a whole lot of costs out of the business. And I, I always thought we were running... Uh, quite skinny even up until that point but um, you know you really you you will you will find everything that you can cut out of the business in, at, at a time like that and then we were able to also identify new opportunities and and chase them down um, so you know a lot of light can come out of a very dark time. Mm, yeah it sounds actually like although the experience may have been painful, like so many of the most painful experiences that we go through professionally and personally, you have in a way come out stronger. Yeah, I think so. Mm, that's great to hear. Now, uh, I'm going to draw us to the end of the conversation in a moment. But before I do, I just want to talk briefly about career development, because you and I have spoken once before about this. And there's a kind of assumption traditionally that career paths tend to be quite linear. We start out in our careers working in technical roles and then we gradually become a technical specialist and then uh -huh. we step up into a people management role. And I know that you're a big believer that career development doesn't have to look like that for everybody. Can you just tell me a bit about your thinking on that? As I mentioned earlier, Andy, we try to empower our team um, so they can make their own decisions on how they're going to hit their metrics. And, and I think by allowing them... Um, to make their own decisions. They show us how they like to operate and what they're passionate about. And often they come and talk to us about what they want to do. Um, and the more they grow in their roles, the more responsibility we give them. But it's not formal. It's not like a big business where you have a documented career plan. It's, it's informal and it, it, it relies on people creating their own momentum, um, which definitely doesn't suit everyone. But for those that it does suit, they see that tremendous growth and development. 
Um, the other thing that I'd note is we're of the belief that some people are natural managers and others are individual contributors. And we want to give people the career path that's, that's best for them. Um, I found some interesting research from Gallup, the, uh, the research and analytics company, um, which suggests that only one in 10 people possess the unique combination of skills required to manage others. Um, and many people only have one or a few of these traits. And this suggests to me that many people are better suited to being individual contributors. So you really need to find a way for them to succeed and build their careers in a different way from management alone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't have a team of 11 people on a football field and they're all the captain, can you? No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you need your specialist creative midfielder and your specialist central defender and, you know, maybe the right wing is the captain because he just happens to have, or he or she happens to have the, the right qualities for that leadership role. Um, now, Tom, uh, I think we'll, we'll round off today's discussion. But before we go, I'm just keen to know what's next for LiveWire. You got big plans? Yeah, so for us at the moment, it's all about continuing to hire amazing people who are passionate about or at least curious about investing and trying to give them the, the best experience of their career here at LiveWire. Um, we want to look to expand on our mission of helping investors to become more successful uh, our long-term dream is really to become the world's number one website for investment ideas. And I think if we can do both of these things, um, you know, we will have helped people and made a real difference. And that's what matters to us. Fantastic. Well, Tom, I wish you all the very best with your endeavours in that. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really enjoyable. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To find out more about Livewire, visit livewiremarkets.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can subscribe to Talent Talks and listen to our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and goodbye for now. Listener.